Turn it down. No, turn it up. Turn, turn the AC up, Carol. Turn the AC up. A little hot in here. We might be, this might be the sweatiest show we've ever done. Oh, wow. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome to the DMVR Nuggets Podcast. Let's go. Let's go. There they are. We have a great show for you lined up today. Why? Because we have Coach Spins on, man. Coach Spins. Coach Spins. Adam Spinella, who is, of course, my number one resource for the draft. I mean that sincerely. Like, we yeah. talked about it on the show even before he was coming on. Like, his videos have been fantastic. Oh, yeah. We don't do much draft prep or... Actually, we usually do. This year, we just could not. Are you kidding? So we, I, I'm just going to say it, we relied on his scouting videos. Very, very heavily. Um, and, and I remember back in the day, Mike Schmitz used to do the videos. They yeah. were fantastic. And then he went to you know ESPN and stopped doing them. You know, he stopped getting those. And it was yeah. like, damn, man, this sucks. We lost a great thing. Coach Spins, exactly like Schmitz videos. It's oh, like he just replaced them so perfectly. They're so good, man. They're so good. I mean, if you really like a prospect, just watch the first half of the videos. <laughs> just watch the strengths. So true. Um, but no, nah, I mean, he, he's the GOAT, I think, right now. Absolutely the GOAT. We're also going to talk about some news and notes around the NBA. But we begin with our top story. Harrison, did you hear the news? Uh, what's the news? Bruce Brown has signed an extension with the Denver Nuggets. Congrats, uh, Bruce. According to let Congrats. me let me check my source here. Congrats, Bruce. Uh, Jamal Murray. Oh, okay. Jamal Murray. Now I didn't even know he had an extension. Look, let's play this tape here. Let's play this footage. Everybody's playing for each other, and uh, you know now that we won, everybody's uh, everybody's succeeding. You know, and, uh, we always talk about um, if once we win, you know everybody will eat, everybody gets taken care of. So we're starting to see that um, with uh, like Bruce and his extension. You know, so congrats to him. Um, Man, congrats to him. Congrats to him on his extension. On his extension, man. I was, an extension. I was so hoping the Nuggets would sign him to an extension. Um, it is an, wait a second. Is he he's not eligible for an extension? Well, an extension is the one thing he cannot sign this okay. summer. Oh, so <laughs> if he signs with the Nuggets or a new team, neither is an extension. It's a so, new deal. Wait, so maybe he didn't say the Nuggets gave him an extension. So another team gave him an extension, no, right? No, it, that is also impossible. What do you mean? Um, if he was signing with a new team, it would not be an extension. Yeah, it would be sense. a new deal. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> he said congrats to him. Congrats to him. Okay, so we know that this is like a congrats because something has happened that's good and positive for Bruce. I guess. <laughs> so what on earth could this possibly mean? Hmm, why did he say that? This is this is the best clip of all time because it could mean anything. It could mean there's already a deal in place to bring him back and everybody knows it. Right. It could mean he is leaving and he is getting the bag and everybody knows it. Man. It's it like, could mean he hasn't decided and he's just getting a race. <laughs> he just knows it's coming, right? Congrats on the pending. Like when Aaron Gordon's like, he's going to get a bag at the podium. Like right. He just knew it was right. coming. Right. You're right that it's rare. Athletes will misspeak in a way that like you'll know they said something wrong. Yeah. This was so perfectly ambiguous that we actually... <laughs> Extension is the perfect the word the perfect to use word. in this situation. Congrats to him. Um, now, I will say... I've been covering the NBA for a while. Yeah. And you're not going to believe this, Harrison. 
you know, free agency, the draft, oftentimes teams have already made up their mind before those things begin. Yeah, They're, funny how that happens. I don't want to say that teams tamper, you know, in the NBA, because I don't think that happens. I don't think there's any tampering God, going no. on. No, that would not. be illegal. In Adam Silver's NBA, that would never happen. But I do, you know, teams do have, like, a good idea. This is why... I don't know. DeAndre Jordan is signed in the first minute of free agency. It's like, did they negotiate that deal? A quick negotiation. Very quick negotiation. So you do get the sense that whatever is going to happen with Bruce, likely, there's likely people already know. When I say people, teams, the players themselves, they kind of have an idea. Occasionally, a player will be earnest and say, no, I want to keep my options open. There's a couple teams that want to have formal wine and dine and this or that, and you go through that. But I will say, if I were to, again, this is pure spec. This is the fun stuff you do when you have like two more days before free agency yeah. actually begins. And it's like, all right, we got to talk about something. When I break this down and I had to bet on what does Jamal Murray mean, extension clearly, clearly indicates remaining where you are, extending you where you are. You would think. You would think. Yes. So to me, this sounds like... If I put on my conspiracy corner hat here, this sounds a little bit... Kale, if I throw on my conspiracy corner hat there, this sounds a little bit like Jamal is hinting at an, a deal that he is familiar with, that Bruce would be coming back. How much... I'm not saying I'm going to bet my life on it, but I'm going to say that seems to be the most likely so interpretation. I think you're on the right track with the word extension. Extension you would think means that he is extending with his current team, even though he's not signing an extension. He's signing a new deal. But I think you're right there. But congrats. Congrats, man. Congrats to him. Yeah. We're all eating. We're all getting more money. The congrats part would be, I would think, if he was getting the bag. Yeah. If he was securing the bag, not... If he was just getting a very small raise Man. from what he was making last year, You're which right. is what the case would be Damn it. if he was re-signing with the Nuggets. All right. Would so, you really be saying, yeah, we're all eating. Bruce is eating this summer. He's getting the bag. Well, he's just actually getting like a million or two raise. All right. I'm going to break down some odds here. Well, first of all, extension. Could it be that the team is like, Bruce, you're 6'3"? And he's like, I'm 6'4". That's this the real extension. He's getting an extension. He's there, there's one other potential extension um, okay. being applied here. The Bobby Portis situation. Okay. The, the Bobby handshake, Portis the situation wink, wink. was Bobby Portis was on the Bucks. He was a free agent the year, the summer after they won the championship. He took the raise that they could give him, similar to what Bruce could take this summer. Then the next summer, he signed... For the bigger money. Right. And the same situation could be coming with Bruce. He signs this smaller yeah. deal. Then next summer, he gets the actual bag. Maybe that is that is the handshake extension <laughs> that everybody apparently knows about. Somebody said pick it, let him borrow his shoes. <laughs> He's 6'5. I mean, Bruce six would five. be six five in that case. He's six five now. Um <laughs> This is truly absurd. All right, let's handicap this. Okay, <laughs> this is, let's handicap it. I think there is a 30% chance that what Jamal Murray is referencing is a one plus one remaining with the Denver Nuggets. That's the extension. That's all it means. There's nothing else to it. A one-year extension. A one-year extension <laughs> okay. where he basically got another year. The Nuggets, congrats. Barely more money than he was making this year. I think there is a 25% chance <laughs> 
that he means an extension, but he really just means signing with another team. Congrats. A lot of money. We all know you're going to sign that big $15 million deal with yeah. whatever team. Yeah. Congrats. You earned it. So we're up to 55%. <laughs> okay, I'm curious we're doing where the other uh, 45% is coming from. I think there is a 30% chance Jamal Murray is just fucking with everyone and knows exactly <laughs> what he's doing. And he's like, you know, it'd be hilarious. And now he's laughing at us. Yeah. And now he's laughing at us. And then I'll put a 15% chance that Jamal actually doesn't know anything and isn't trying to be funny. He just, you know, congrats. You're likely to get an extension. And, hmm. you know, he phrased it in the perfect way where he's really, he didn't mean it to be taken anyway. I actually think that is the most likely scenario. <laughs> right. So that's actually probably he's like, congrats I'm going to take that, that he's just giving an ambiguous yeah. congrats. Yeah. Not knowing what Bruce Brown is doing. Okay, there you go. Like, it's probably getting an extension. You're probably getting a big deal. Congrats to him. I yeah. mean, congrats. He earned an extension from yeah. somebody. <laughs> so I dumb. mean, I don't know. But I love that they. That this I didn't think about today. that option, but that could be it. I, I mean, players say this kind of stuff all the time, right? If there's one thing, I remember players. I can't remember what the story was. I wish I could remember the specifics. Where it was a similar Bruce type situation where a team had a limit on what they could offer a player. And they offered it, and the player was so offended by it that they like ended up, you know, storming out. And the team's like, "No, you don't understand." His agent didn't brief him yeah, on what like, no, they could offer. That's all we can offer you. He's like, "I can't believe the disrespect I'm hearing." So <laughs> players are not always tuned in to the minutia of these things, oh, right? They've got bigger and better. I mean, Jamal's to... got better things to worry about. Yeah. Um, what His else? trip currently in France. <laughs> what else is in the news here? Well, what else we I, got? The other thing I wanted to bring up was. Um, I don't know if you've been on Instagram lately, but oh, Bruce Brown is working out in Boston. Okay. And he's only working out wearing a full ensemble of Nuggets gear. My God. Nuggets championship shirt By the and way, Mile High City shorts. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Come on, Bruce. Somebody pointed out that he was wearing Tatum's shoes, though. Well, he probably just got those from being in Boston. Um, I mean, that is a knock against... Bruce, I think Bruce is really enjoying this. Yeah. I think Bruce is really enjoying this. And he should, man. Like, everybody, we 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 all like to be, you know, the the one that gets courted. You know, a little wined and dined. Everybody kind of likes that. And like I said, our job as sort of, um, in many ways, the center of the fan base and, you know, online or this or that, mm -hmm. I feel we haven't done enough. <laughs> I feel like we haven't done enough to, I mean, because we all know it's, it just feels so logically cut and dry that it's not like, yeah. you don't have to do the persuasive argument. You know, right. it's like, hey, man, the argument is it's a little bit of a discount, but man, didn't you have fun this year? <laughs> He's the perfect guy here. Like, he's the perfect guy for. for I mean, Denver. I think Bruce has got to know that. Like, Bruce Brown in Denver, that yeah. is the best version of Bruce Brown that there's probably going to be. But also, just like the fact of the appreciation, that's what I mean. Yeah. Is, you know, the stars are always appreciated. The role players, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Bruce, to me, is as appreciated of a role player that's come through Denver. Oh, for sure. You know, in any, basically in any sport. Like, he's, he is so loved by the fan base. And, you know, I yeah. just wonder how much that, what's that worth? How many millions is that worth? <laughs> the, the last thing I'll say on this uh, pertaining to that Instagram post, I remember when Will Barton was a free agent a few summers ago. And right before free agency, he also posted a picture of him working out in Nuggets gear. Really? 
Yes, I remember this very vividly. Before he had signed? Before he had signed. Somebody can probably find it. Or actually, he's probably wiped his Instagram by now. It's probably not on there. But I remember because I asked somebody close to Will Barton, does this mean what I think it means? Um, They didn't respond to me. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that story was going to have a cooler ending. I'm not going to lie. But... He ended up re-upping with Denver right when free agency started. Uh, well, there you go. Um, is there one more piece of news we have um, that you shared here, Kale? What was it? Oh, yes, of course. At the draft. Oh, yeah. Another video that another we have video. to decipher here. Um, let's take a look here. This is... Uh, hold on. I was going to introduce this, Kale. This is uh, Anthony Black, who was taken sixth in the NBA, went to Orlando Magic, and he got a very mysterious phone call. Okay. This is random. First of all, it's not a phone call. Like this is clearly oh, a recording. recorded video. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This Sorry. is a voice yeah, memo. You're right. Yeah, there's. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> my, 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 my bad. My bad. Yeah. Uh, this is weird. This is weird. First of all, Anthony Black needs to cut his hair. Like, there's, there's no way he's yeah, succeeding in the NBA it. with that you, hair. Well, that might be true. <laughs> you and Eric are hair Nazis. <laughs> um, secondly, I've been trying to decipher what the connection is here all day. They don't share the same agent. They mm-hmm. don't share the same same agency. Um, he says thanks, what, Amber or something so like that? So at the end, he says thanks, Angie. Angie. And then I think he's saying fits by Angie. But it sounds like he's saying fits by Andrea. I don't know. I, and Stylist? Then, and then he hugs... A woman who I'm guessing is his stylist. Does that stylist work with Nikola Jokic? Okay. That is the only link I can possibly find between those two. Even if that's the link, it almost is. It's actually interesting but irrelevant what the link is. More importantly is just the fact that you and maybe Yoke's done this before, you know, and like the, no people haven't posted it, but I kind of like. Do you the think idea. he sent it to all thirty first round <laughs> picks? The same recording. Hey there, fellow draft player. <laughs> I thought it was like a cameo when uh, when I first that heard was it. My That's fi- how generic it sounds. I love that take that it was like yeah, Yoke's on cameo for a hundred and fifty bucks. He'll give you like a birthday <laughs> shout out. Um, who knows what the link is? I do just find it interesting though that even if this was a favor from a mutual friend in any capacity, agent, whatever it is. Um, I kind of like the idea of Yoke taking on the role of big brother beyond. Like, if you think about LeBron James, the faces of the NBA, those guys are big brothers, not just to their teammate, but to the league at large. It's like, hey, I got a call from LeBron, mm-hmm. a thing you always remember. And Anthony Black posting this on his YouTube account demonstrates a little <laughs> bit of this, like, hey, the two time MVP and finals MVP just reached out to me. Like, what yeah. a cool thing. And if this happens last year, Nikola Jokic calls Anthony Black. You know, he's the MVP, so that's cool, but it's even more weird. Jokic, the NBA champion and two times final MVP, to me, it just had this air, and it's so funny. And so once you get past the shock, it had this air of the baddest player in the world just called to wish me congratulations. 
Yeah. And it, I just never would have guessed Yoke to be in that spot, even if it is just his hairdresser or something was like the one that told him or whatever it is, stylist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jokic as an ambassador for the NBA. There it is. That's a cool little turn. Yeah. Um, that Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. All right, now let's do what we do. Three out of ten on the uh, on the all congrats message. He, first of all, he well, said, that, that's why I think it's possible he sent this to more than just Anthony Black. More more prospects than just Anthony Black because it was very very generic. Yeah, this is like uh, it's almost like famous person. You know, like oh my my friend just graduated college. Came and he's like, hey, I just want to wish you uh, congrats on your marriage. Or like you got the details wrong. Man. <laughs> but first of all, he said there's three things you have to remember. One, work hard. Yes. Surround yourself by good people. Yes. And then. Uh, work hard. <laughs> He's like, you know, actually, there's only two things. Uh, goodbye, my friend. Yeah, goodbye. All right, anyway. Uh, 30 seconds. I got four more to go. No, I'm just kidding. We're teasing the big fella. I thought it was really cool. It was a kind of fun little, like, and a little hump day nugget, you know, a little hump day thing for you. Yeah. Anthony Black got a call from you. What if Nikola Jokic just loves Anthony Black's game? <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> there's no way he knows who Anthony Black is. That's Absolutely that's 0% chance. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, Coach Spins breaking down Julian Strother, giving us his takes. I'll tell you, he's, he's he likes him. He's a fan. Kind Love, one of the first dispensaries ever in Colorado, established in 2010, and Kind Love is known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis in the state. Um, they do it the right way at Kind Love, and they also have their Turbo Joint, state of the art. They're the only people who do it. The Turbo Joint, 0.7 grams of whole bud, combined with 0.3 grams of Turbo Keef. Brennan Vote swears by it, so you know it's legit. <laughs> uh, check out the Turbo Joint. Check out everything that Kind Love has to offer. You can visit one of their stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver. Mention DNVR. Get the DNVR exclusive discount, 25% off all Kind Love flower pre-rolls and their Turbo Joint line. Visit their website at kindlove.com for their full extensive menu and online ordering as well. Uh, right now at DraftKings Sportsbook, I'm I was disappointed. I mean, I'm sure they're waiting for the lines to come out, but uh, I haven't seen any summer league props on DraftKings Sportsbook yet. Well, the rosters Not aren't yet. full yet. We got to find out. Uh, I mean, is, is who the, the Nuggets are bringing off the bench for summer yeah. league really going to sway the line? You never know, man. <laughs> Jimmer Fredette. Let's see if he makes an appearance again. <laughs> New customers, make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code DNVR. Bet just five dollars to score one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. Uh, in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY. Text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Booty Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for problems uh, with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org 21 plus in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. One boost per eligible game. 
Opt-in required, max bet $50, 10 plus legs required for 100% boost eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. All righty, back here, segment two of DNVR Nuggets podcast. And now an interview with Adam Spinella, the great uh, NBA draft analyst. He spends all year doing NBA draft analysis. He knows this thing inside and out. You can find him at the Box and One YouTube channel which you should absolutely check out. But first, here's our interview. I, I mean, I think of you the same way. The videos are good, man. Like I said, I never get to scout the, gra- the draft that hard, especially this year, man. This was the weirdest year. Like, yeah. You really feel how close the last game of the finals is to the draft. Like it, it's why I, I can't believe teams had to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's uh, it, it, it's pretty tight. It's pretty uh, tight. Um, oh, awesome, man. I appreciate it. Um, I'll just kind of dive into this here. Cause we got three players in the draft this year. Nuggets did. They used up all three picks, which I guess I shouldn't be surprised at. I think this is going to be their MO for the next couple of years using picks and getting early second rounders late first. Um, but first I'm going to ask a top level question. You know, you've been covering the draft for a couple of years now or several years now. Is there an evolving sort of trend that you see and how and what types of players are kind of rising in the draft? Is, is there something unique that you're noticing from this year overall? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the longer I, I stay in this industry, the more I see those trends start to reveal themselves. But I think they continually evolve in like five to six year cycles. And right now, the Denver Nuggets are actually a great example of the trends that win in today's NBA, making sure that you have everybody in your rotation who's about six foot five or larger. I think is a huge part of where the league is going, the, the combination of size and skill. They love self-aware, high character teammates. Those are things that I think teams are more willing to uh, to reward nowadays than they might have been, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, taking swings on upside as opposed to the right locker room fit in some situations. And then more than ever, the importance of making great decisions quickly when you catch the basketball, that you want a bunch of guys who not just know their role and are willing teammates, but can do different things with the ball in their hands. They can shoot it. They can make a decision if they have to put the ball on the floor or they know when to swing it around the perimeter really quickly. And that's what stood out to me in watching this year's NBA Finals. Both the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat, they have top-level players that can create advantages, but their role players all know and are capable of sustaining those advantages in a variety of ways. Do you think there's more players? Like, is college basketball developing more of those types of players, or just those types of players are getting picked? I think it's probably a little bit of both uh, that, you know, over the last decade or so, the idea of positionless basketball has become so large and permeated down to lower levels that teenagers who are 6'6 to 6'10 have more perimeter skill than we're ever used to seeing. Youth coaches and, and high school folks aren't just saying, you're big, go stand on the block. Right, right, right. And the result of that is that now we see the intersection of size and skill be around much more frequently for some of these younger players. It's funny you say that because the Nuggets, I mean, they did, there's three things, I guess you could say. They went with size, you know, some taller players in in guard positions and wing positions. They went with older players, more experienced players. I think they drafted three of the oldest players in the entire draft. Um, But one of those guys is more of a specialist that was their first pick, um, Julian Strother, who is 
of the three, I would say the most, to me it seems, maybe I'm wrong, you can correct me, the most of a specialist. He's a shooter. And then the other parts of his game may be here or there. What can you tell me about him? And do you agree? Is he a specialist? I think so. I think the idealized role of Julian Strother is almost entirely as a catch and shoot player revolving around the offense of others to, to create those shots for him. Uh, he's got a lightning quick release. And, uh, you know, with older players who are shooting specialists, you really get, have multiple years of a sample size to bear out the consistency of their jump shot and, and how legitimate they are within that role. And year after year, Julian Strother has blown everybody away at Gonzaga with the consistency at which he shoots, particularly from range. Uh, he's good off screens. I wouldn't call him a great movement shooter. A lot of times when I think of movement specialists, I think of guys like a Duncan Robinson or a Kyle Korver, a J.J. Redick, who are so versatile in the way that they come off of different screens and actions and really open up the playbook. I think Strother is okay in those areas, okay. but his footwork isn't quite the same as some of those guys. He's more of a hop shooter. And I think the one, two step shooters, guys like Korver or Redick who built a career off of, you know, having shooting gravity and, and being able to, to run off of different screens and handoff actions the one-two footwork lends itself a little bit more cleanly to that type of role. So where I see Strother having a ton of value is spacing the floor while standing on the perimeter and really being a great threat in transition. If he can keep his shoulders square to the basket, he's a knockdown elite shooter. Would you call him a fundamental shooter? Because some, some of the stuff you're talking about with footwork, you know, that's a very specific fundamental, but even his shot, it's lightning quick. But he almost throws it, you know, well, he almost yeah. has like a quick. So, so, I, but I don't know if that means he's not fundamental. Yeah, I think fundamental is kind of a semantics term. Like a, a lot of times shooting just comes down to, can you put the ball in the basket? Right. And yeah. and he has proven over such a long sample of time that he does it. I don't care as much about the mechanics. It's quick right. enough that it gets off. He's six, eight. So he doesn't need the absolute highest release in order to do that. If it's right in front of your face and quick, and you're 6'8", like, I have no issues with that. And when I say hop shooter, that's not a negative in any type right. of way. It allows you to get that shot off a little bit more cleanly and quickly. But I, I just think that it's different in terms of how you would come off screens, particularly going in different directions. That's really interesting. So as far as shooting, because he took a lot of deep threes, you know, there's some players that do that more than others. He seems to do it as much as just about anyone. You know, where would you, if you just look at Denver's roster, they have some great shooters, KCP, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Is he that caliber of shooter at the NBA level? Do you think he can grow into being that that caliber shooter? Where would he rank on the Nuggets in that way, just in shooting? Yeah, I think he's right up in the mix with some of those guys. You know, when I think of a guy like a KCP, I think of somebody who is a really good shooter, but always has that juice off the bounce to attack closeouts. And, you know, Michael Porter Jr., really good shooter, but he can also, with his size, do some different things on the interior. Strother is a little bit more of a one-trick pony than some of those guys, where his impact is not going to be as high as some of them if he gets run off the line and treated like a shooter. You know, the, the challenge in guarding, like a, you know, a guy like Jamal Murray, who's obviously an unbelievable three-point threat, is that if you give him that extra attention outside of 20 feet, he has enough skill and craftiness inside the arc to kill you in a variety of ways. Strother right now only has one move in his arsenal that he's really comfortable in, and it's this beautiful runner that he has going to his right hand. And it's a great shot for him, but he does not generate a lot of rim pressure, not a great decision maker with the ball in his hands. He's just going to be a little bit more limited in those moments when he doesn't get catch and shoot threes. 
which just changes your role a little bit. If you're really guarded like a shooter, you need to find different ways to impact the game when you're not putting the ball in the basket. So I'm, I love his shooting. His confidence on his shot is he almost might be too confident. Like he has a quick trigger. He takes some wild ones, but I mean, he hits 41%, you know, like he's good. But the reason I'm low on him is that is I, it, for me, it stops there. And I'm curious, I mean, you mentioned the floater and then you said going right. I didn't even notice that. So it's not so much a weapon when he goes to his left. Yeah, yeah so. it's, it's very much right hand based. He, you know, he has that lower release on his, his jump shot. It's the same thing on his pull up or his floater. He tends to keep the ball at his right hip, which gives him an easier way to carry that up into a, a spot where he can energy transfer into a runner. But it seems like he took a lot of floaters. I think he had more floaters than shots at the rim this year. And to me, that's why I look at that and I go, as much as the floater is exciting, I actually see it as negative. If you shoot 55% at the rim, that's terrible. 55% on floaters, it's good. But the floaters replace shots at the rim. So I almost count them that way. That's my biggest concern. As you mentioned, just maybe his offense limits stops there. But to me, I don't feel like he's one step away from being a good rim finisher. I feel like he's multiple steps away. Am I being too harsh on him? I don't think you're being too harsh at all. I think it's something that I have obviously noted throughout the the pre-draft process and why Strother was a little bit more of a fringe first, early second round candidate for me. As much as I value big wing shooters in the NBA, I think you need to be a little bit more diverse with your shot selection or what you can really uh, accomplish when you put the ball on the basket. I, I will give one small area of positivity or at least a reason for why the Nuggets could be optimistic on him. And it has to do with the system at Gonzaga over the last several years. They play true, two true big men together. They always like to have one who's posting up. They run a bunch of high-low actions to try to throw the ball inside. That doesn't leave the room open a lot for backdoor cutting. And I think that Strother playing in a five-out offensive system or at times when you have a great passer at the middle third and the top of the key like Nikola Jokic is, It's going to open up some backdoor cutting opportunities where Strother can use the shooting gravity that he commands and the fact that he might get face guarded or top locked when coming out of the corners to go backdoor and have a cleaner avenue to finish at the rim. If he were to try to do that at Gonzaga, there'd be multiple bodies always standing there because the Zags always had one big man kind of posting up at a time. So there is a little bit of optimism that a different offensive scheme or system and NBA style floor spacing can raise that floor for him as a a finisher around the basket. But I don't think any of the tendencies that he's shown thus far indicate that he's going to be an above average finisher. So I always refer to players as running backs or wide receivers, like Jamal Murray ball in his hand. He's driving. He's a running back. Michael Porter is more running routes and then catching and finishing. So maybe it sounds like you're talking about Strother is there's hope that with his shooting, he could become a good receiver, you know, running around the perimeter and then darting to the rim. Jokic getting in for touchdown passes. Absolutely. And I love that comparison and that thought. Like I think of him as a guy who's not going to have many yards after the catch. Like (laughs) you got to find a spot to put the ball in his hands and a spot he can immediately succeed with it. Uh, What about on the defensive end? You know, he's got a lot of length and I think that's Calvin Booth's MO is length is half of defense. Can he be an NBA level defender? So I have continued to describe Julian Strother as a tryhard on the defensive end. <laughs> okay. Like I, I think he really cares. And when you're long and you have decent positional strength and you care, 
that is half the battle most of the time. Uh, I think that he's going to be a guy who struggles on the perimeter in some regard. I don't think his lateral quickness or reactivity to quick dribble moves is exactly what you need in space. And then I, I think he struggles a little bit off ball. There are some moments where, you know, he has made decent rotations to protect the basket. And I can see him having an impact in the Denver Nuggets system when Jokic is showing and, and playing a little bit more aggressively against ball screens that causes your wing defenders to tag in around the basket a little bit more. And Strother has shown decent impact in those areas, but where he gets lost is anytime his man relocates or moves along the perimeter. He's not great at getting through screening action, which is rare for a, a shooting specialist. Those guys do a nice job of usually getting through traffic or screens because they're so used to doing it on the offensive end. He really struggles with off-ball screening actions. I think he overhelps at the rim sometimes and gets a little bit farther away from his man, which forces him to close out a little bit longer than he normally should. And the result of that, when you're not the quickest laterally and, and you struggle to win the first step, is that you can have a lot of repenetration rim pressure against right. Julian Strother. So there, there are definite areas where he's going to be exploited at the next level but he does care enough he has some of those physical tools to try to to overcome that and i think that the scheme fit in denver can be one that mitigates some of his concerns fairly well do you think he'll pan out i mean denver now a defending champion they're at a different timeline i think it's going to be a hard place for any rookie to break into just because you're gonna to have to go through a process but do you see him especially in denver being a guy that a year or two down the line he's a an impact nba player I think this is a good landing spot for Strother. Uh, you know, I, I tend to believe that there are maybe 20 to 25 players in each draft class who turn into rotational quality and caliber NBA players. It's your guess is as good as mine for who those guys turn into, even though I cover the draft year round. There really isn't an exact science. You've got to find guys in the right scheme. I think Denver offensively is going to be a great landing spot for Strother because they have so many high IQ playmakers that can put him in positions to succeed like we talked about, where he's not reliant upon himself to get yards after the catch. Right. Like just stand there and knock down a bunch of threes. He'll have a solid NBA career. Is there, lastly, on Gonzaga, just is there traits that players coming through Gonzaga kind of have? I mean, is it a, what you call a high IQ system, you know, discipline? Like what would you, what would you say about Gonzaga players? Yeah, Gonzaga is very different based on the position that you play. I think their big men are always really fundamentally sound, decent passers, and and have a great basketball IQ. Uh, their wing specialists and shooters have really panned out fairly well over the last couple of years. I look back at Corey Kispert, who was drafted as a lottery pick a couple of years ago, or just outside the lottery for the Washington Wizards, really solid, dependable role player. Gonzaga loves to have these shooting specialists. And I think for what you know, Strother has shown he can do at Gonzaga. He's going to be reliable in that role at the next level. Awesome. I think I might be Coach Spin's biggest fan, man. <laughs> he's so good. I mean, he's got 80 prospects that he has to keep in his head somehow and he can just speak about the crazy details, like, you know, just right yeah. off the top, man. Yeah. That was great stuff. Um, let's take a break. On the other side, though, we do get into the other two prospects. Um, and here, is he as high on picket as I am? We'll find out. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Make sure to check out the beer of the month, the Mountain Beach Sour. Hey, it's summertime. It's been like 90 degrees in Denver the last couple of days. Perfect weather to drink the Mountain Beach Sour. If you don't know where, if you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out the Breck Brew Beer Locator on their website. Just type in your zip code, tells you where to get Breck Brew, gives you the liquor store, grocery store, wherever they've got Breck Brew closest to you. 
Uh, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Make sure to check out the beer of the month, the Mountain Beach Sour. Also, make sure to check out IV Nutrition of Wash Park. We've all been there to get an IV drip. Great time, great experience. You sit in a massage chair, you can recline in zero gravity mode. They got music going, they got nice relaxing fountains. Like it's a great vibe at Ivy Nutrition. Uh, Stop in there today, stop by their Wash Park location on the corner of Alameda and Downing. Anybody who mentions DNVR, when you come in, you're gonna get 50% off your first IV nutritional drip. Give them a call 720-259-4404 for more information. They do also do wellness blood testing and consultations. They do intermuscular injections with vitamin formulas. Of course, they do IV nutritional drips as well. Stop by their Wash Park location corner, Alameda and Downing, mention DNVR, get 50% off your first IV nutritional drip. There you go. Oh, the big takeaways I had, by the way, from that Strother part with, with spins, you know, him talking about the floater, because I talked about how limiting it was in that he uses it to replace shots at the rim. But yeah. he said, yeah, but it's also like always going right. He doesn't ever shoot the floater going left. And I again, it's just almost further some of my hesitation about him in that it's even more limited to like the three or the floater going right. Yeah. I mean, from what uh, Coach Spins had to say, like... When Julian Strother enters the league, he's going to be a specialist. Like, he is yeah. going to be a shooter. Um, what I did like uh, about his defense was uh, Coach Spin said he's a tryhard. Yeah. He cares about it. He actually puts out effort. No, he's got a ways to go off ball and just some of his technique, but he wants to be a good defender at least. The part about him, you know, being a good cutter, he's not going to have like a lot of dribble to his game, but the fact that Gonzaga plays, you know, he played a lot of his minutes with two bigs, so there's yeah. not a lot of cutting room. My, my hope is that there is he is a better cutter than maybe is realized, you know, at the college level. And mm-hmm. he gets to the NBA with Jokic in the wide open paint, maybe he can be a little bit more there. All right, let's get on to Jalen Pickett and Hunter Tyson. I'm a little more skeptical on. It's not my mold of player. The weaknesses stand out more than the strengths to me. The guy, though, that I just love, because it's my type of player, and I'm totally going to overrate him, is Jalen Pickett. I had never heard of this guy, because, again, I don't scout the draft. Even when the Nuggets picked him, it was like, okay, who is he? What, what, you know, what, 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 let me find out some stuff about him. But as I've dug into him, I became obsessed. I love this guy. Why am I so high on him? I high IQ. I mean, he's old and he's a little short, so I get the the knocks there. Those are, those are the, the the big knocks, I think. But I just look at this guy's vision, his passing, the way he controls the tempo of the game, and all this stuff, and I think I love that. I think it translates. What calm me down on my Jalen Pickett enthusiasm? <laughs> sure, I, I think the way to to calm you down a little bit more is to think about how Pickett centric the offense at Penn State really was. That the entire system was built one hundred percent around him and gave him so much leeway to create and dominate the ball. Uh, He would come off of ball screens and then circle the floor once or twice, kind of looking like Steve Nash out there trying to wait until somebody gets open. He plays this style that uh, is affectionately known as booty ball, where as soon as he gets a player who he thinks he has a strength advantage over, he will turn his back to the basket and very methodically and deliberately back that man down. In college, when you have a 30-second shot clock and you're more reliant on one creator to to really put great shots out there for the rest of your team, 
you give a player like that the long leash to dominate the ball for 10, 15 seconds per possession. I think at the NBA level, that's a lot less tenable, particularly for a role-playing guard. You've got to be a quicker decision maker. You probably have to be able to play off ball in some regard, and you're not going to get that same leeway to just break off the offense and play one-on-one mismatch isolation ball when you're a six-foot-three point guard in the NBA. Did he play this way at Siena? Do you recall? Do you know? Like, I'm so, I'm curious how much of this was Penn State's choice put the ball in his hands versus like, no, it's the only way he knows how to play. So he he was utilized a little bit differently at Siena, but still high volume play through him almost at all times. Penn State really surrounded him with a ton of shooting. They didn't play much of a big man this year, which allowed them to go more five out and let Pickett invert the offense by operating with his back to the basket. And then they were a great extra pass team around him. So his assist numbers might not even indicate how smart of a passer or how many opportunities he created for his teammates because they played hot potato and sustained the advantage that he would kick out to them. But I do think that Penn state leaned fully into letting him create from mismatches and and finding ways to put the ball in his hands that created those mismatches. So I went through on synergy. I, I rarely, even after drafting a player, will I watch as much tape as I did with Pickett. So I really got in the weed just because I enjoyed it. I was like, well, that was fun. Let me do pick and rolls. Now let me do post-ups now. So I went through every single assist he had this year, and I thought he did a great job as much as he was on ball a lot. I thought he did a great job in the possessions when he was off ball being a connector piece. And that's what gives me hope that he can be that he can lower his usage, especially early on in his career. Maybe it ratches it up if he's a successful player. But I think early on, I have faith in him as a low usage connecting piece. Do you do you think that's realistic for based on what you've seen? I think the decision-making is certainly realistic in that regard. If if you're going to be an off-ball player in the NBA, you have to be a consistent threat from three. And while Pickett's three-point shooting numbers on the surface indicate that he's very solid in different regards, the NBA range is still a question mark in my mind. I think a lot of his shots come out of his hand really flat. He needs some space and time to get them out, even though he has a quicker release He needs a little bit more space around him to feel comfortable with his landing spot. I don't know if he's going to be able to stretch that another foot or two behind the college three-point line. There are questions, and I think the shooting is much more important for a scalable off-ball role than the connective decision-making and passing. But there's no doubt he is a high-IQ basketball player who can be utilized in a lot of different ways that allow his basketball IQ to pop. His shooting numbers, I think he's a better like off the dribble three-point shooter than he was a catch and shoot. And that's always an interesting trait. To your point, I don't know if it's a rhythm thing, you know, but but it does feel like that would be the big concern is his his rhythm and everything is just more comfortable when he has the ball and he has the control. So I think is that that's kind of what you're getting at. Very much so. And again, that comes from being a high volume player and being given a long leash by your college coach is that you know you can take those extra bounces to get yourself into rhythm at the NBA. And particularly as you scale down to not being a number one option, you've got to be super quick with your decision-making and very efficient with your shooting. Um, what about on the defensive end? What, how do you project him as a defensive player? You know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit in between on a guy like Pickett. I, I was not enthused with everything that I saw this year from him. I think he's decently productive in a lot of different areas, but I don't think he's the quickest at the point of attack. And I wonder how his strength and kind of wider frame is going to hold up if he wants to cross match defensively. Uh, You know, I, I, 
I think that there is some hope for him to turn into a, a solid defensive and, and rotational player, but it certainly wasn't anything that stood out to me as a strength of his during this process. How, how tall do you think he is? The, guessing players' height is so ridiculous because they have him at 6'4", but I just don't think he's 6'4". I think he's like 6'2 to 6'3". I think okay. that's probably a, a okay. solid range. But again, like even though height matters, I think length is yeah. much more impactful for the defensive end of the floor. And I think that if you have a wide frame and a strong body, you can play bigger than you're listed without having that be a tenable issue. Pickett might check both those boxes. Definitely strong. I mean, the booty ball is funny because he's not that big. You know, he's not as big as he plays like 20 pounds bigger because he just somehow knocks guys off their spot, even bigger players. Um, let, Let me ask you about Micah Shrewsbury, because watching them and all of this, I was that was one of the things that stood out to me is I was like, I love how this team plays. Yeah. And you mentioned they have a lot of guys that can make the connecting pass. I just thought the timing on everything they did was so great. And they they just had a very fun style. What kind of coach is he? And, and how much do you think that impacts his, when I'm judging Pickett and his great basketball IQ, how much of that is, well, he's on a smart team and it makes things easier. Adam, you're asking all the right questions here, because I think the context of the college situation is always really important as an aspect of understanding pro projection. Uh, Shrewsbury is a brilliant offensive coach, and he comes from a lot of coaching trees that have helped him along the way. Brad Stevens and and had some time with front offices in the NBA and in the G League. He was a, a Matt Painter guy at Purdue who runs a ton of unique, complex stuff on the offensive end of the floor. And he's an identity based guy a coach who really gets his players to buy into the collective above everything else, which I think is what helped them not only effectively space the floor, but throw a lot of those extra passes and build that type of culture. Uh, I'm curious to see what Pickett looks like outside of that system once again, but I think it is worth noting, like there is a lot of opportunity for numbers to become inflated because Micah Shrewsbury is the coach that is kind of dialing up the, uh, the sets for him. I'm hopeful, you know, Denver's a high IQ team as well. And I know that the thought process with the front office is Jokic is on the court. Everything's great. Guys are cutting. Everybody's playing um, genius basketball, right? Because they know how to fit in around him and they've learned when he goes to the bench, there's no identity. And this has been a trait for several years now. What are we when, when he goes, people stop cutting because they're not going to get the ball. It's not as incentivized. I think the hope is that Pickett can eventually work into a player that replaces Jokic obviously at a smaller level, he's not the two-time MVP, but what do you think of that thought process of, hey, this is a guy that can reward people for playing that smart level basketball again, so there's no drop-off stylistically between Jokic and and, and him? I think it's spot on for what Booth is looking for with this front office, and, and it makes a lot of sense for this roster. You know, if you watched a lot of Nuggets games this year, I know you did, and everybody who, who listens to this does as well, uh, The backup point guard spot has always been a revolving door for Denver and trying to figure out who can set everybody up to succeed. And a lot of times the easy fix to not having a great identity on your second unit is to have a pass first point guard who can create easy looks for everybody else, run some spread pick and roll stuff. I think Pickett can fill that role, but because of his strength, his desire to mismatch posts, to turn his back to the basket and operate It can create a really bizarro offense where the cutting, the free-flowing movement around him 
operates in many of the same ways it does around those Jokic post-ups. So it is a, a very cerebral bet from this front office that there are going to be some stylistic translatability similarities between what Pickett does and what Jokic does. But I think at the end of the day, just really smart to address that backup point guard position to try to find somebody who makes life easier on everybody else when some of the starters are off the floor. It sounds like you're a bit more skeptical than I am on Pickett. I just love his game. And I, I should say I'm I'm still skeptical. Like a second rounder, the odds are always against you. But are you would you say you're skeptical, optimistic that he's going to work out for Denver, you know, this year, next year, and beyond? Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, I, we led this off with talking about trends in the NBA. And decision-making was a huge part of that. You love guys who know when to shoot, when to pass, when to drive it, and, and create for somebody else. I think Pickett checks those boxes but he is a little bit undersized and I don't know if he has the defensive versatility to make up for some of that stuff. It's, it's always hard to know when you're playing in a system where you're a, such a high volume offensive creator in college, whether you're not defending at the highest level right. because you're expending so much energy on the offensive end or because you're just a little bit limited on that side of the floor. I think we'll find that out rather quickly with Pickett in his career, but he, I think this is a really good, again, fit for him and a smart bet by the Denver Nuggets front office of this is a guy who we can get the most out of with the system that we play. So I've done more film on Pickett than most prospects that have come through Denver. Uh, I've gotten into the tape on Strother pretty, pretty well. I haven't done anything on Hunter Tyson yet, just from timing standpoint. I mean, he's next on my list. I know some people were complaining. Why haven't you guys, we are overlooking him. I can't talk about him yet because I haven't really gotten into the tape. So walk me through Hunter Tyson and what kind of player he is. Yeah, six foot seven, six foot eight movement shooting specialist. I think that there's some overlap for a guy like Julian Strother here, where Tyson, what he does best is play off catch and shoots. Uh, he is a lot better off of screens and complex actions than a guy like Strother is, which I think can open up the playbook in a variety of different ways. And he's very, very efficient as a finisher near the basket. The numbers pop off the screen at you. I don't think he is a threat to get there off the bounce. As soon as he he really takes a dribble with the basketball. He's turning his back to the basket almost every single time. And he can make a couple of those tough step backs or fadeaways now and then, but that's not going to be what he's asked to do at the NBA level. So decently smart cutter, runs the floor in transition. Many of the similarities that attracted Strother to this front office, I think bring Tyson here. Uh, I'm a little bit less optimistic about the defensive end of the floor for Tyson than I am with Strother. I think the big reason for that, he actually plays smaller than he's really listed. Every time I watch his defensive film, I think he's like 6'4", 6'5", instead of the 6'7", or 6'8", that he's listed at. Good positional rebounder, really smart guy and smart player, self-aware in a lot of regards. You know, Multiple-time all-ACC academic player back at Clemson. Right. That's always an important box for me, like the self-awareness and the, the ability to quickly learn things on the fly. He got better every single year in college. And if you believe in that trajectory and guys who are continuing to work hard and maximize who they are, then Tyson is as good of a bet as anybody to be worthwhile a second round pick and find a way to stick in the league. Yeah. So I, they, I think, view him as a small forward, a combo forward probably, but more of a 3-4 than a 4-3. Um, but, but even then you still feel like he comes up small. I mean, that, that's the hope I think is he power forward. Okay. I can see it pushed around, but as a small forward, do you, are you still feel like he plays a little undersized? 
I do in some regard. Uh, you know, I when I think about playing smaller, I think about just the way that you handle contact and the way that you yeah. move on the floor. Like he, he tends to hunch over a little bit more and shrink himself. So even though he has decent height and length, he's not going to contest many shots with that length because as he moves, he tends to be a little bit lower to the ground. Uh, I also think that he struggles with lateral quickness in different regards. Like both Tyson and Strother as shooting specialists can do a lot of great things for you on the offensive end of the floor, but they provide very little defensive like positional versatility and they can get exposed if they have to guard in space at times. So there are going to be challenges about how you incorporate them into a lineup consistently. But I think the bet here is hypercharge the, the offense. And then if you can find that second unit creator, a guy like Strother or Tyson can really provide you decent value just spacing the floor around him. How would you, now some rapid fire ones here, how would you rank these guys in terms of most ready now, one through three? I think the order that they were actually drafted in, Strother, then Pickett, then Tyson, in some regard for me. So Strother, is he a guy you feel like, if, I mean, the Nuggets are a championship team. Could he play regular season minutes next year and not look like a disaster? I think so. And the biggest reason for that is role awareness. You know, mm -hmm. the what the Nuggets are going to ask him to do is not going to be drastically different from what he did at Gonzaga. Right. Yeah. Play in transition, spot up around the perimeter, hit one of those right-handed floaters if you get run off the line, and please try your hardest on the defensive end. So if that's all he's asked to do, that's what he's been asked to do for the last three or four years. He'll be okay. What about ceiling? How would you rank him in terms of the best outcome for them? You know... High volume creators probably always have the highest ceiling in some regard, because if they can translate what they do to the NBA level, they turn into a, a piece that ties everything together so nicely. But I probably would go in, in the same draft order that they were put in. Well, I, I just think Strother's ability to catch fire from three is going to be so valuable to turn him into a, a really good role player down the line. I would have a much more difficult time seeing Pickett actually become one of the 15 to 20 best lead guards in the game. What about the gap between upside and downside? You know, boom and bust potential. How would you rank them? Who has the widest gap there? Probably the widest gap there is, it's hard to say because I think all three of them as older guys have established themselves of having a, a consistent floor in some right. regard. If I'm going to pick one, it's going to be the guy who I think can be played off the floor quickest on the defensive end. And to me, that would be Pickett just because of his size. You know, I think with Tyson and with Strother, when you are a little bit larger, it just raises your margin for error on the defensive end. Again, reliable floors on the offensive end because they're consistent contributors over multiple years in college. But the defensive stuff and the lack of versatility that Pickett brings might mean he gets squeezed from a rotation first out of anybody. Adam, this was awesome stuff, man. You're always um, on point. I was saying before we went live, he's the new Mike Schmidt. He's the guy for me, the guy when I'm like, all right, I got to find, I got to scout these guys. I've only got so much time. Those videos have been so good. And I swear they're getting better. You're getting better at this <laughs> as it goes on now. I feel like I know everything I need to know in 10 minutes of every prospect. So thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to promote? You know, not too much right now. I just want to say thank you for having me on. I look forward to coming on chatting nuggets with you every year. Really appreciate it being part of the live show last year. was uh, uh, was a shame I wasn't able to come in and be part of anything this year as I was off doing kind of my own thing with Sam Vecini on the Game Theory Podcast. But for anyone who's looking for my work, just please go follow me on Twitter at the and one underscore. It has links to all of those YouTube videos that Adam's talking about, as well as some written work as well. 
a must follow for everybody. And like I said, go back and check out those videos. You saw my takes on these. You can go see all of his film work and everything else on all of them. Adam, thanks so much. Thank you. Man, such good stuff, man. And, and I mean this sincerely, guys. When yeah. there are good content creators, it's so important as a consumer to support them. So everybody, go follow his channel. Definitely. Follow him on social media. We tweeted out the links and stuff. He, he deserves it. He does an incredible, incredible job. Let's take a break. On the other side, let's respond to some of the things he had to say about these prospects and wrap up with some final thoughts for today. Shady Rays, take on the sun with gear built to last. It's freaking hot in Colorado. It's summer is officially here. You've got to have your shady rays with you at all times. This AC kicked on, by the way. Do you realize that? Oh, it, oh it I do so feel a little breeze now. in here. I, I do feel a little, little wind. Um, our friends at Shady Rays, they've got you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. This is a deal exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by 250,000 people. If you would rather try your sunglasses on before buying them, you can shop at their brand new location here in Denver, Park Meadows Mall, a full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. But you can also go to ShadyRays.com, browse their whole collection. They have so many different styles. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, a quick DraftKings pick of the week. Ooh, what do we have? I'm so pissed the summer league lines are not. I know. Here. That's what you want. You're going to have to go Rockies. Um, they're 23-point dogs. How do you feel about it? The Rockies? Yeah. 23. You, you see they lost 25-1 to one the other day. <laughs> uh, do they play today? I think they, they're playing oh, they're, No, they're playing the Dodgers, 640 tonight. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, I will take the Dodgers. <laughs> Minus one and a half. Do they have they don't even have summer league lines for like who's projected to win? No, I'm telling you, zero summer league lines so far. You might have a problem. I actually need to call the number if you're betting on the summer league oh, champion. It is by far the <laughs> stupidest thing to bet it's on. It's the most random. Like I would rather bet on the Rockies than <laughs> a summer league line. But I'm taking the Dodgers today. DraftKings pick of the week. Minus one and a half. Oh, man. That felt bad to hear. Um, that did not They feel just good. beat the Rockies, I think, 5-0 yesterday. So, all right. So let's get back into this here as we wrap up uh, for Wednesday. You know, I think... It, I have to stop talking about Pickett. I read the feedback. I see the comments. I see what people say. People are not feeling our conversations about Pickett. They don't want more. So I'm, I'm going to couch it by saying, I mean, I loved what Adam Spinella had to say about him in both positive and negative lights. Mm -hmm. I do think that there are only two options for him. I think he hits. Boomer bust? Yeah, I think he's very, very boomer bust because if he busts, I just think all of the good parts of his game don't get to, like, we don't get to see him. They're, they don't translate. He's not effective and this or that. And it's like, yeah, just, you know, there's nothing there. But I think, I don't think that there's a way, a world where he kind of hits, where it's like, oh, he does some of the stuff or this or that. It's like, it either is going to translate and he's going to be a very good player. I'm not saying star, because I just don't think he's too small and there's too many weaknesses in his game to be yeah. that. But I do think that it's like, oh, wow, this is a really nice backup point guard. Really good, solid NBA player who has a 10-year career. Or he's gone and playing in Europe. Did Coach Spins quell your excitement on him? 
at all? Did he temper it at all? Or are you still 10 out of 10? I mean, you have to remember, and you know this, Harrison, because you were with, you know, we've been together during the draft and the day after. I wasn't, it's not like I have a reason to be a fan of his. You know, I have I've never seen you like this for any prospect the Nuggets have ever drafted. Well, the Nuggets, yes. I was going to say, not for for any prospect. No, just Nuggets prospects. We like to make jokes about it, but like we all have a type, right? And my type is clearly great passers. That's just the thing Mm -hmm. I appreciate the most about the game. And... You know, obviously, it's funny. It's probably even a little bit of a bias because I value it so much. And so there's a possibility that I overvalue it. But with him, I'm just so convinced that he is that he has that gene. Not that he is a good passer. Monte Morris is a good passer. Does he have a great the passing gene? I don't know. He's just a good passer. He's a good point guard. He has the gene that. Alonzo Ball has that, yes. Jokic has, that a lot of these yes. guys that I like in that way. It's like the unteachable yeah. feel. And so that's what it is that I like when I see that. It's, and it's pretty rare. You know, it's it, it's actually kind of a rare trait to be so good at that. So when I see a player have it, it gets me excited. But then there is the question. And when you say, like, did he dampen my excitement? No, because I knew even scouting him that it's so unclear whether he'll get to unlock that part of his game. So yeah. So no. It it really didn't affect me at all. That's it, it's how I. Well, I'm saying it's how I feel about it. Like for sure. This is this is why it's kind of funny going in because the thing I keep saying is I hope he works out because he's so fun. I hope so, but I'm not by any means convinced that he will. Yeah. Well, what I was a little surprised about is that uh, Coach Spins rated how ready they are for the NBA, and right. he had yep, Strother one, Pickett two, Tyson three. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe there's not that much like separation there, but Strother, I mean, he, he spoke pretty highly of him in terms of just being ready to fit a specific role within right. the Nuggets offense. Yeah, I thought that part stood out to me a lot as well. Him being more, you know, game ready and even just being higher on him in general, yeah. you know, like it, it was, I think, easy for him to say, yeah, Strother's the guy that that I kind of feel that way about. And then, you know, I have to say with Hunter Tyson, like I, I've watched Coach Spins's video on Hunter Tyson, um, and I might have read a thing or two, but that's it. So I know some people yesterday were bothered. Like, I don't know why they're ignoring him. The reason is because there's only so much time, mm-hmm. you know, and I haven't got to it yet, but I will. I mean, I'm intrigued by him, and I'm, I just don't have a take, and I don't like to give takes Unless I, <laughs> I have like some unless research you've watched that, all two hundred fifty of a player's uh, hey man assist say what you will but don't you can't you can't take away that I actually care about this stuff I find it interesting so with, what would the equivalent of watching all two hundred and sixty three assists what would be the equivalent for Hunter Tyson um you probably should watch all his threes. Just I, I think that'd be a good place to start. Oh, that's another thing. Because he is a shooter. That That's his role on the offensive end. But specifically, according to Coach movement. Spins, movement shooter. movement shooter. And I was surprised for him to not label Strother as that. You know, right. he, he says specifically he thinks he's more Well, because he was saying Strother's footwork needs some work. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's why I asked him, is he a fundamental shooter? That's like a little bit of a right. weird thing because he does do a lot of like... It's if it works, it works. So this is like Kevin Martin, a great. That's why I compared him to Kevin Martin, great shooter. But you would never teach a guy to shoot from across his body. Yeah, Strother has a lot of that too, where his feet are doing crazy stuff, but it works for him. It's just, yeah. And I think that's what he's getting at with the movement part is he has some abnormalities to his footwork that now limit him from being able to go left, right, the way Hunter Thompson can or Hunter, Hunter Tyson, Tyson. <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Um, <laughs> It's a Tyler Lydon Hunter S. Thompson crossover. Yeah, there's a little. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, man. Um, some quick notes here. Just came across the wire. 
Minnesota not picking up, or I guess not guaranteeing to deal. First of all, Woj misreported. Rare, rare edited tweet from that's Woj. why you have twitter blue that's you can twitter. get back in there and edit the tweet <laughs> so it's not that they're not picking up their option they're not guaranteed all functionally the exact same thing you were saying is minnesota a bruce brown destination well there had been some chatter that they might be interested in this freeze up a little more cap room but then i saw some people saying that this is just kind of what they needed to do to maybe bring back Nikhil alexander walker and Stay below the luxury tax that it seems like A-Rod has no interest in paying. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if you remember the deal when they signed it, it was like questionable about whether or not they would be able, the ownership, new ownership, A-Rod right. in particular, would be able to come up with the amount of money that they had guaranteed to come up with. So This is a similar situation to when the Buffs hired Deion Sanders. They're like, yeah. we don't have enough money to pay yeah. him, yeah. but we'll we'll find the money. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um I'm telling you, man, this wish. And then the second part of this, you know, Monte Morris, rumored to be uh, lots of teams interested in a trade, including Tim Connolly. Tim Connolly. <laughs> Tim I mean, Con- this is classic Tim Connolly. You know, f- find the guys that he's acquired over the last seven years running the Nuggets, and you can probably figure out who might be going to Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I, I reported that the Nuggets do not have interest in Monte Morris. I right. was told that they would not bring Monte Morris back. Right. Um, Doesn't but, fit the MO. But DeLon Wright is a bigger point guard. Maybe maybe they would have interest there. I'd, I'd say probably not. But I, You know, like Tim Conley, you know, we love him. Fan base a little more mixed. Some people appreciate, you know, the foundation he laid and obviously bringing in Jokic. I mean, part of me just thinks like anybody that gave me Jokic, like I will be eternally grateful for. But, you know, it makes, makes from the fan base. I will tell you. Tim Conley can be the most hated man in sports if he signs Bruce Brown. <laughs> like, can you imagine if Tim Conley right now goes from the, like, I think the charitable thing you could say is he left at the right time, enjoyed yes. him, but now we got Calvin. He took and they the deal the he had to take. But if he goes and gets Bruce Brown and steals him from Denver, and it just becomes, and then you have to, like, Monte and Bruce that are, like, oh our nemesis. God. And then holds another press conference before a <laughs> Nuggets-Timberwolves game. Oh, man, the war might be on. <laughs> I, I, I did see a Bronco Squatch put out there that the Nuggets could absorb, I love that word, absorb yeah. Torian Prince into a trade exception. Would you rather have Torian Prince or Jeff Green next year? When you ask me this question, I almost the second thought I have is what makes your team better, and my first thought goes to what makes Peyton Watson better, which mm. is probably backwards. That being said, can you play Torian Prince at the three and Peyton at the four? Is it are you already setting up things in the wrong way? I I it should be Torian Prince, but I'm just not the biggest Torian Prince guy. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is one where I think. Th- as I was saying on yesterday's show, like maybe the grass isn't always greener. Yeah. Maybe you take Jeff and Peyton over Torian Prince. Peyton, man, I just hope it works out. I just, I, the Nuggets are so much more interesting, you know, with your young players oh, yeah. like Peyton turn out to be what they are. They're, it just makes the team significantly more compelling to, to me. Um, some other news Vucevic. Signed a new deal with the Chicago Bulls? Congrats to him. My God, the Bulls, man. <laughs> Arturis, really a strange, strange era for the Bulls. Here, here's my biggest question about this deal. Who were the Bulls competing against to sign Nikola Vucevic? Tony Mills, not that much money, though. It, that's the thing. It's not. But again, 
what other team is giving Nikola Vucevic 20 mil a year? I the mean, answer is none. Well, he's going to stay a Bull the Bulls, man. That's a tough place to be. We have obviously CHGO Bulls, but <laughs> they're in perpetual hell. mediocrity. And like, if they're not even mediocrity, they're perpetually one step below mediocrity, right? They're right. not bad enough to be like they're tanking or this or that, but they're also not good enough to just be. I mean, they're a classic lost the second t- uh, play in game. Well, and then they just didn't even have like a draft pick this year. <laughs> Rough times up for they Chicago. They had to give that up to get Vucevic in right. the first place. Congrats to Vooch, man. Yeah, congrats to Vooch. Carl um, Anthony Towns in an interview earlier this week said he is not getting a ring on his ring finger. Why? He's saving it for a championship ring. Can he say anything without looking like a complete dork? No. That's the challenge. Carl Anthony Towns, say something without getting... Cl- like clown for saying that man that's rough try to do that please it really is i saw jones on the nba nate jones one of my favorite follows on you know really advocating for the kings to go out and get him and i get the thought process towns does feel almost like a buy low candidate if Mm -hmm. except he's still below the threshold for me like he is undervalued currently but his actual value is still below the threshold for me of what i would want to put up with so even if that's sacramento would you be afraid of sacramento if they traded sabonis for cat no Less or more worried about them? Maybe less. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. Maybe less, man. I am I am so unbothered by Carl Anthony Towns. Me too. Me too. Uh, and then lastly, Tobias Harris says that the entire fan base in Philadelphia would trade him for a box of crumble cookies. <laughs> I mean, he's probably not wrong. Uh, but um, Philly fans will not forget that. Yeah. <laughs> now I think if you're Philly, you kind of have to trade him. Well, do you see Cr- Crumble Cookie came out and said if he's not traded, the entire city gets a Crumble Cookie? Yeah. Crumble Cookie, the the mediator between <laughs> Tobias Harris and the Philly fans. I have a feeling the CEO called up Daryl Morey and is like, hey, what are you, are you going to trade him? He's like, yeah, we're going to trade him. He's like, sweet, cool. We got a promotion that we can't afford. But as long as you guarantee to trade him, we can oh, make this promise. Oh, man. Um, yeah, they're going to have to trade him for nothing. I will say, and you can cue that outro music there, Kale. I will say this, man. Being a pro athlete, I think, really does suck most of the time. Like, they have great, they have obviously some huge perks. They make the money. And I'm not trying to forgive them anything. Tobias Harris is a good player. He's not great. He's flawed. And he's a good player. Whenever your team doesn't get over the hump, he's the guy that, like, everyone just hates and pins it on, you know? Yeah. And in some ways, it's a little bit fair. I think Will Barton was this for many years where it was clear that he had lost whatever good parts of his game. He was losing it, and now you watch him, and you're like, my God, that guy's career might be over. But he took a disproportionate amount of, in my opinion, criticism because he was that guy. Tobias Harris is getting that. And I just got to say, man, (laughs) the Internet is vicious. We are creatures human beings like you really realize that when you get behind a keyboard because people get so frustrated over the craziest stuff and i almost felt bad for tobias harris you know with the little clip or whatever just because i'm again i think he's doing fine he seems like he has a good head on his shoulders but i'm just saying man it sucks to be like i'm sorry i'm not a superstar i'm just doing my role i'm a role player and i'm here doing a role um it's just a little weird to me well this is just another example of how Nikola Jokic has cracked the code on just living rent-free yeah. as an NBA superstar. I mean, Tobias Harris doesn't have to see any of this. I mean, he doesn't have to respond so to it. You're so right. Um, but he does. Yeah, I think it is. A, I, you're actually right about that. That's, Jokic is getting off of social media really is like... Maybe that is actually like the key 
the the number one key to being like an untouchable NBA star you, is not being on social media. You, that that actually might be it. It might be for humans in general. By yeah, the way, that like is this. actually the key to life. <laughs> like I said, people very upset about yesterday's show where we talked about picket. Like very very upset about yeah. it. Uh, no more picket talk on the show. Um, but no. Uh, <laughs> You're right about Jokic, man. He does just seem to have the whole game figured out, and I uh, I tip my hat to him. You got to. You've got to. All right, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us for a full hour today. We are back tomorrow, Thursday edition, and then after that, free agency. Maybe we'll get another ambiguous comment from a Nuggets player about Bruce Brown's extension. God, I hope so. God, I hope so. Hit the like button on the way out.